You can't be born again and be an alcoholic. It's impossible. It's not only impossible, it's offensive to God. Alcoholism is a disease. It is not a moral weakness, nor a shameful lack of willpower. It is a chronic brain disease. You can't be born again and be an alcoholic. Alcoholism is a disease. It, it is, is not, not a moral weakness, moral weakness, moral weakness. Well, it's offensive to God. Well, it's offensive to God. Three, two, one, zero. Me? Yeah, you. Come Me. here for a minute. I want to talk to you. What's mama say? What's the mama say? <laughs> well, this is what she say. <laughs> mama says you're brain dead. Bang your head against the wall. Can't find peace of mind. Brain needs an overhaul. Bonehead brain. The views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show are those of the co-host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates. The topics and opinions on today's show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice. Take 12 Radio is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, The Man, The Myth, The Legend, The Monty Man. I ain't gonna lie to you, baby. New, new, new. Good guys, bad boys, we're all the same. Saved by grace is the name of the game. Turn around, hit the ground, time to lay your burden down. Thank you to the Allies for that song, Burden Down. Welcome to the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, The Great Reality, with Tony J. Good morning. Marvar. Howdy, howdy. And moi, the Monty <laughs> Man. The man, <laughs> the myth. The legend. The legend. No, you got to do it with the voice, though. The man. That's not my voice, though. It's <laughs> somebody, we, somebody we hired for much money. Uh, <clears throat> not really. Well, how the heck are you? Zippity do not day. Yes. Oh, I'm great. Actually. Are you great? You're I'm great. Dandy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Life chipper? could not be better right now. Yeah, Marv, how you doing, everybody? Okay. He's doing okay. <laughs> yeah. I know he's extra quiet today too. He's smiling behind that mustache. He is. Yes, he is. The yes, silent is. cowboy. So we're here. We have our coffee. We have our creamer. We have uh, everything we need, and we're going to be talking about two topics today. Uh, there's no trivia today. There's no funny criminals or any of that kind of thing, uh, because I want to spend time on both these topics. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, last week on, um, on Facebook, I posted a statement and let me tell you, let me preface it by this. Where did I, where did I put it? There it is. Um, I get, uh, I don't know if tired of it is the, really the term, but I, I, I think a little deeper than just saying I'm defined my, by my alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also diabetic. I'm not defined by my, my, my diabetes. I, hopefully I'm defined by my relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. and with God. Um, and so I just made the statement. I, I typed in uh, one of my little Monty Man meditorials. I said, being an alcoholic is simply a medical term which states that I'm allergic to alcohol. I am not defined by my allergy, but how well I rise if I should fall. Um, and a lot of people said, oh, that's cute and nice and all that I kind liked of these, it. You know. Well, and then a gentleman came back and said, also, he said, the medical and secular worldview defines alcoholism as a disease. The biblical worldview calls drunkenness sin. As a confessing Christian, alcoholism is a worship problem. Putting a substance before a holy God, you cannot serve two masters. My identity is in Christ Jesus. I'm good. I'm glad it is. So is mine. So is ours. Um, But what I found interesting was uh, the writer's, uh, his opinion is alcoholism and drunkenness are the same thing. And my statement back to him was, no, alcoholism is a medical terminology. Yeah. Um, there are people that 
um, that drink to get drunk that are not alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So j- simply because you're drunk doesn't make you alcoholic. Yeah. That's not what determines alcoholism. And that's when you said that. I was like, wait a minute. No, it doesn't. Right, right. It made no sense. But if you believe, as this man does, mm-hmm. if you believe that being somebody who abuses alcohol makes you an alcoholic, then you, of course, would think alcoholism was a sin because mm-hmm. you're drinking alcohol to 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 excess. And that may, if that makes you an alcoholic, then that would make sense. What I want to try to clarify here, because we got into a disagreement about this. It wasn't heated or anything, but um, uh, it was respectful. But what I try to clear, clear here, because he was interested, well, what, how do you medically define it and, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing? Um, what, what the difference is. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my glasses back on here. Um, so I'm going to try and, and do this a little bit. So first of all, um, let's... Oh, and then he also asked me if 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 I um, subscribe to AA theology, which was an interesting question because theology means the study of God. <laughs> so AA doesn't have theology, so to speak. But but that, that's okay. I know what he was saying. Yeah. Do I subscribe to AA philosophy and, and that kind of thing? And, and I'll touch on that here in a minute. But um, so first, what we have to do is we need to define what the the word disease. Um. So if we're going to call alcoholism a disease, we need to, to, to define it. Now, he asked me if I thought alcoholism was, was a disease. Mm-hmm. In the sense of the word, and I will, I will answer it by saying this, in the sense of the word that we kick around that word disease so much, no. In fact, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't refer to it as a disease either. Mm-hmm. The only time the word disease in the big book of AA is mentioned is when it is reference to resentments. Yeah. It says resentments is the number one offender, and it talks about how from it all forms of of spiritual disease Mm -hmm. take place. Yeah. So AA, now you got to remember something, listeners, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the book, and the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the people, mm-hmm. can be two very different things. Oh yes. And so I'm I'm I get it when people get false ideas about AA and the philosophies in AA by what the people say mm-hmm. as as a group, because many times they are mistaken. They don't even know their own literature. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I get why you would think that. Uh, but I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about what the book says. Mm-hmm. The book does not define alcoholism as a disease. It does refer to it as an illness. Yep. But check this out. This is Merriam-Webster's definition of disease. A condition of the body or one of its parts that impairs normal functioning and is typically manifested by distinguishing signs and symptoms. Mm-hmm. So if you were to go by that, you could attach alcoholism to that. Uh, when we're talking about active alcoholism, which means somebody that is continues to drink, mm. even though they know they have a problem. Uh, they do have a condition of the body, or one more of its parts, that impairs normal functioning, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And is manifested by distinguishing signs and symptoms. You bet. Mm. Now, keep in mind, alcohol, um, what alcohol does to an alcoholic, for instance, um, these are symptoms. These are symptoms. This isn't the true problem. We agree 100%. The true problem (laughs) is a heart issue. It's a God issue. We're trying to fill... A God-shaped hole was something other than God, and it never works. And so people will medicate. They'll use alcohol or other substances to medicate or to deal with issues or whatever they do with it. Mm-hmm. But that does not make them alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so alcoholism, as far as uh, a, a, a medical term here, I want to I want to read this. Uh, first of all, alco- the word alcoholism does not appear in the Bible anywhere. Uh, drunkenness, however, does. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
drunkenness is a sin. Okay, what's the definition of sin? It's an archery term. It means to miss the mark. It means to fall short. In this case, biblically, to fall short of the glory of God. Mm. Uh, the wages of sin are death. In other words, what, what when you sin without without a mediator, without the Lord coming in between us and, and the Heavenly Father, we're kind of doomed. But he comes and he does that, and he steps in between us, and he covers our sin. But being an active drinking person, I mean, if you're constantly drinking to get drunk, and, and yeah, that's that's not healthy. It's immoral. It's it's wrong. Um, but that still doesn't make you an alcoholic. So he, here's uh, here's an explanation here. An alcoholic is a man or a woman who suffers <coughs> from alcoholism. They have a distinct physical desire to consume alcohol beyond their capacity to control it, regardless of rules, common sense, and consequences. Mm-hmm. So you would call that insanity, wouldn't you? If, if you? if you were to wake up in the morning and plan out your day to be destructive, run over the neighbor's cat, cheat on your wife, lose your job, uh, drive your car off a cliff, mm-hmm. to intentionally do that stuff over and over and over again would be considered insane. Wouldn't you think that was insane, Marv? Yeah, I that'd do. be crazy, right? Yeah. Well, that's exactly what it is. What is insanity? It is an illness of the mind. It mm-hmm. is it's thinking errors, and when people abuse alcohol that are not alcoholics, they run the risk of crossing that line at some point and developing alcoholism, which mm-hmm. is a rewiring of the brain. Uh, now, this can happen genetically as well. In most cases, we found that is the case. So, for instance, my two sons. Mm-hmm. Cameron and Colin, uh, if they take one drink, they very well could set off the allergic reaction to alcohol, yep. whereas somebody else may not. Um, but let's look at this definition. <clears throat> um, it may be described as a physical compulsion together with mental obsession. Apart from having an enormous craving for alcohol, an alcoholic often yields to that craving at the worst possible times. The alcoholic knows neither when nor how to stop drinking. They don't have the power to, Uh-oh. left to their own devices. Now, we're, we're going to talk about what not being left to your own devices looks like here in a minute. Uh, definition, an alcoholic is a person while alcoholism is the illness. The alcoholic suffers from alcoholism. Alcoholism is a long-term chronic uh, disease, according to the American Medical Association. Uh-huh. So if you go back to the word disease, not what AA says, but what the word disease means, a condition of the body, or of one of its parts that impairs normal functions and is typically manifested by distinguishing signs and symptoms, you would have to agree. If you go by that definition, mm-hmm. that it's a disease because that definitely happens. Non-recovered alcoholics are obsessed with alcohol and cannot control how much they consume, even if it's causing serious problems at home, work, and financially. Um, now, alcohol abuse generally refers to people who do not display the characteristics of alcoholism but still have a problem with it. They are not as dependent on alcohol as an alcoholic. They have not yet completely lost their control over its consumption. Now, we know one in five alcohol abusers will develop alcoholism to where they are drinking to the point where they lose all ability to be in control. Um, So what causes alcoholism? There's, there's There's two areas. Um, first, abuse. Alcohol dependence is, is a gradual process which can take from a few years to several decades to become a problem. With some very vulnerable people, addiction can come into question. Uh, eventually, over time, regular alcohol consumption can <clears throat> disrupt the balance of the brain. The chemical uh, GABA, which controls impulsiveness as well as glutamate, which stimulates the nervous system. Brain levels of dopamine are raised when we consume alcohol. Dopamine levels may make the drinking experience more gratifying. Over the long or medium term, excessive drinking can significantly alter the levels of these brain chemicals, making the person's body crave alcohol just to feel normal, not desiring to get high. That's abuse. You can develop alcoholism through abuse. Genetically, which is most common, there are specific genetic factors which may make some people more likely to become alcohol, addicted to alcohol as well as other substances. People who have a family history of addiction 
are at higher risk for abusing alcohol. Alcoholics are six times more likely than non-alcoholics to have blood relatives who are alcohol dependent, causing a lack of endorphin. The lack of endorphin is hereditary, and thus that there is a genetic predisposition to become addicted to alcohol. This can occur after taking just one drink. So here's the thing. All these feelings is crazy right now. Yeah, why? I don't know. I'm just sitting here and Marv's watching me. and I'm just like, you reading that brings back so much. Sure. Because we learned this stuff, right? <clears throat> uh-huh. Yeah. So the the guy... Now, now look at I don't know what happened to me. I don't I don't know why. I uh-huh. don't I was adopted. I don't have it was a close adoption. I don't have a genetic chart to tell you what my bloodline was or any of that kind of thing. But when I took my first drink when I was in middle school, uh-huh. something happened to me that doesn't happen to the normal temperate drinker. Uh-huh. I drank this huge thing of Christian Brothers brandy and then I drank another one. Yeah. And I could not stop. Uh-huh. I had absolutely no ability to stop. None. And people say, oh, well, you had choice. No, I didn't. I had lost I had lost the ability to choose. I, it affected me in that way. It was an outside chemical that I put in my body. Now, was it wrong? Did I know it was wrong? You bet I did. Mm-hmm. That's why I snuck it by my parents' back. Was that sin by doing that? You betcha. Mm-hmm. But what, what, what happened was it did something in my brain chemistry because of what I believe is a genetic disposition to alcoholism that it didn't just do to some of my other friends when they drank. They drank, and eh, it's no big deal. Not me. Um, so what what we have to understand, too, is people say, well, you know, a lot of members of the faith community say, well, it's not a disease, it's a sin. And the medical community says it's a disease or an illness. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think it's as simple as that. I think it's both. Mm-hmm. And so... All disease, let's just, let's just bring this down to reality right now. All disease, all illness, all sickness stems from rebellion in the garden when Adam and Eve fell and we, we were perfect people before the fall. So can we trace it back to sin? Absolutely. We can trace diabetes back to sin. We can trace cancer back to sin. We can trace alcoholism back to sin. Yeah, but alcoholism isn't like cancer or diabetes because you're making a choice. Are you? I, I, I'm not so sure. No. Hearing it like this, it's like, because I remember I was at a party in middle school and that almost exact thing happened too. But if people could feel how our brain works, I think normal people, they mm-hmm. could better understand, but there's no way that can be possible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you know what? You can try to educate somebody in this. Now, now, some people are probably going, well, what qualifies you? So this is not braggocious at all, but let me just tell you. Uh, for the last uh, 30 years, uh, also counting, I guess you could say, on-the-job training as somebody who was an active alcoholic, uh, I, I have served, served as uh, a board member for our county's, uh, Lynn County's Alcohol and Drug uh, Treatment Program. Uh, I have been the uh, Director of Addiction Education and Recovery for Oak Creek Christian Center, uh, a large center here in the Willamette Valley. Um, I have uh, been a registered interventionist. I am currently a uh, a licensed uh, THW uh, worker, healthcare worker, and a uh, certified uh, peer support specialist uh, in the area of addiction by the state of Oregon, and and currently the uh, director of education or the education coordinator uh, out at the Adult and Teen Challenge Treatment Facility uh, and Men's Discipleship Program uh, here in the Willamette Valley as well. And does that make me an expert? Well, maybe this does. Maybe this does. I struggled with this stuff for years. Mm -hmm. Even as a Christian, a born-again believer, I couldn't put the plug in the jug. Mm -hmm. I couldn't stop drinking. Until the day came when, when the Lord really spoke to my heart and he said to me, when you stop depending on your prayers and start depending on the one you're praying to, you'll stay sober. Mm -hmm. When you stop depending on those 12 steps and start depending on the one those steps are pointing you to, you'll stay sober. 
when you stop depending on the meetings and start depending on the one that the people in those meetings are trying to tell you about, you'll stay sober. Mm-hmm. What I realized mm-hmm. that I was doing, there was nothing wrong with all that stuff, but I was depending on the method and not the method giver. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people do. And once I got that, yes, I stayed sober and I haven't had a drink since. I'll be celebrating 20 years on September 2nd. No. So um, for me to drink is sin, absolutely. But that is not – because I know it's wrong and I, and I shouldn't do it. Mm. Just like for me to go out and eat Hostess cupcakes is sin because I'm diabetic. People categorize sin. God doesn't. Mm. Sin is sin. So for me to go out and eat Osa's cupcakes may not send me to jail. I may not run over the top of anybody, but it's still sin because I know it's wrong. I'm diabetic. I have a responsibility not to do it. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. But my diabetes is something I inherited. Um, Now, I am not responsible for my illnesses that that I... took on as a genetic disposition. But I am responsible for my recovery. Mm-hmm. And therein lies the sin issue. Mm-hmm. we got a medical issue with a spiritual solution. We have a medical issue, you know, with with, with a solution that is centered in God. Uh, and um, at the beginning of the show, a little soundbite at the beginning of the show, this guy says, you cannot be an alcoholic. Now, by the way, that's not the guy that, that I'm talking oh, okay. about. He's not the person that I had this discussion with. And this is just a YouTube presentation. Mm -hmm. You cannot be an alcoholic and be born again. You cannot be an alcoholic, you know, it's offensive to God. Well, that's like saying you can't be a diabetic and be born again. You cannot have cancer and be born again. Come on. Well, people just write us off. They do. Even years later. Alcoholism is a medical term. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you don't like the definition of it, that's fine. But I'm still, I'm born again. I'm a, aren't you born again, Marv? Yes, sir. Aren't you, you you're born again, Tony? If yeah. Bruce was here, he'd say, and we're all allergic to alcohol. In mm-hmm. other words, you put it on our body, something bad happens. Just like if I eat peanuts, I'll swell up like a balloon. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not born again. It just means I have a medical condition and I'm responsible to take care of it. So to say that you're not born from above if you if if you're alcoholic is ludicrous. Yeah. Your thoughts, Marv? Well, I've got I I do have a couple of thoughts on this too. Um, as far as um, moral issue or disease, mm-hmm. that argument, right? Really, doesn't that belong to the individual, and not so much? Um, uh, you know, each each person has to come to some point, um, whether they believe that their uh, healing is done by God or or the steps and the mm-hmm. means. Or, uh-huh. That's up to each individual. Good point. But on the part about being born again immediately, when I heard that guy say that at the beginning, the first thing that came to my mind, and I'm not sure why, is Hebrews where it says we do not have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. Amen. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, uh, we can be Christians and um, um, and fail miserably. Yeah, we're still Christians. Amen. And uh, and we don't. Uh, we do have a high priest who who knows our weaknesses. And. Um, so, yeah, the, the other part of the story, too, and, and you brought it up a couple of times is, it, it, yeah, alcoholism is a medical uh, terminology. OK, right. But um, no matter what you go back, you, I was adopted, too. I don't really know a whole lot about my uh, biology. Sure, <laughs> sure. Right, right. So, um, but no matter what, if you go back, you're going to find out, I don't care, cancer, diabetes, uh, getting bit by a dog, whatever. Right, right, right. (laughs) Somewhere the root is sin. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah. So that's about all I got to say. Sometimes I think (laughs) we're talking semantics and people get into these arguments. 
sometimes some people are legalistic. What does semantics mean? Huh? Semantics? What is that? Yeah, mean? saying the same thing using different words. Oh, okay. You know, um, that kind of thing. Um, so. Well, and I deal with this with my parents and my family, too, because nobody is an alcoholic or an addict. Mm-hmm. And so I struggle with this every day. And so I'm, I, I hope they hear something in the show today to help them understand. Yeah, and here's – me too. And here's, here's the thing. These are just <clears throat> – alcohol – the abuse of alcohol is a symptom. The abuse of narcotics is a symptom. Mm-hmm. Uh, gossip is a symptom. Uh, if you're punching your wife in the nose, that's a symptom. Mm-hmm. There's a symptom. There's, there's something – you're sick. Mm-hmm. There is an illness going on. The brain – and hear me well, listeners, the brain is an organ, just like the heart, just like the lungs. No, you can't transplant it, but it is an organ. And when an organ gets sick, if your heart gets sick, you have heart disease. Mm-hmm. If your lungs get sick, you have lung disease. If your brain gets sick, you have brain disease or brain illness, what we call mental illness. It just means it's sick. Yeah. Why are we arguing about why the terminology? Let's talk about the solution. What's the solution? And we know that God is the solution. Mm-hmm. Now, now um, uh, the big book, for instance, does mention Jesus. On page 11 in Bill's story, uh, Bill says, To Christ, okay, it doesn't say Jesus, sorry. To Christ, <laughs> I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed him. His moral teaching most excellent. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. Mm-hmm. Now, if you stop there, you can start justifying like people in the AA fellowship do. <clears throat> oh, well, you can just take what you need and leave the rest. Because that's yeah, what Bill, I don't like Bill that. did. Right? But but if you continue with this story, mm-hmm. um, he talks about Ebby Thatcher, who became a born-again believer, mm-hmm. and God cured him was this was the terminology yep. used and he sits here and he says but my friend sat before me that's ebby his old drinking buddy and he made the point blank declaration that god capital g had done for him what he could not do for himself mm-hmm. his human will had failed yep. now by the way I, there's two ways you can study something devotionally or historically i like studying this Historically, because I, I want to know how they spoke back then. Mm-hmm. When you talked about God back in these days, over 70 years ago, and you used capital G, it was one of two entities. It was either the Jewish God, Jehovah, or it was Jesus Christ. It was understood. You didn't have to say Jesus every time you turned around. People said, when, when your Heavenly Father, when the Creator. I mean, now today it's a little different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, the reason that Jesus isn't plastered all over this book is because it's understood right here. Mm-hmm. Now, they've been talking about Allah or Buddha or grandfather or something. He would have said to all these other higher powers, I conceded the certainty of great men. He didn't say that. He said to mm-hmm. Christ. So that's who Ebby and he were talking about yeah. at that table. And so he says, uh, his human failings had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Mm-hmm. That's what doctors had pronounced him. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he admitted complete defeat. Then he had, in effect, been raised from the dead. So he says, the doctor said he was incurable, and I was turning around saying what actually did happen. Suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. Had his power originated in him? Obviously, it had not. And that paragraph right there eliminates like what we were asking. It yeah. just, that says it all right there. Yeah, it's talking about the solution here. Yeah. Um, if you go over to how it works in page 62, it tells you what the problem and the solution mm-hmm. is. And by the way, friends that, that uh, are part of the fellowship, Alcoholics Anonymous, alcohol, uh, alcohol as a substance is not even mentioned here. Uh-uh. It sells selfishness, self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our troubles. Not alcohol. Uh-uh. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows, and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us. 
seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made the decisions based on self, which later place us in a position to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Now, I may not have made the decision to be alcoholic, to have, to have a genetic disposition to do that. That may have been a decision that came from my parents or my grandparents or whatever from their choices, but I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But what I do with my selfishness and self-centeredness, yes, I do have a choice. So our troubles, it says, we think, are basically of our own making. Not of alcohol. Our thinking. Sin. Sin. (laughs) Our sinful thinking. (laughs) They arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot. Mm -hmm. Though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything... We alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. Yep. And they're talking about the Lord. That's who they're talking about. That's the discussion that him and Abby were, ha- Abby were, were having. Um, it says, it goes on in how it works. Is perhaps there is a better way. We think so. For we now are on a different basis. What basis? This is after you've turned your will and your life over the care of God. Mm-hmm. We trust infinite God rather than finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. Who are they talking about? He. Doesn't say them or it or she. Or they. Or they. (laughs) It's not a group of people in a meeting. Just to the extent that we do as we think, he would have us and humbly rely on him, rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? So, so. That's one of my favorite parts, the calamity with serenity thing. Yeah, because that's kind of what happens. You're like in this mad state of mind, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, I don't feel like that right. anymore." The obsession's been taken away. The obsession's been, re- and now, you never know when it's. You don't. There's no time limit, and people think. I think a lot of people that aren't in the recovery world don't understand that you don't have a choice of when that obsession is going to. It's be. up to God. Yeah, it's up to God. Like my parents always thought sometimes, and I love you guys so much, that there was a timeline that I should be not thinking that way. And still this day, years later, sometimes I have something going on and I'm like, eh, that little devil's on my shoulder, but I know I can't do it. Yeah, so what's our part in it? Okay, so we, so we stop drinking. We, we, we get support from from people that are mm-hmm. like-minded and lift us up and hold us accountable. And, we, and sometimes we call those meetings, and uh, we it, hopefully that's going on. Let, let, let me just say this. And I've, I've said it before. The whole purpose of Alcoholics Anonymous is to help you find a power, not a human power, that can help you solve your problem. And according to the big book, and according to Bill's story, that power is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if, the, if the meetings you're going to aren't doing that, that's not AA. Find another meeting. But a lot of people are confused mm-hmm. and think that AA is supposed to be a gospel setting organization. It's not. Mm-hmm. It talks about... Uh, in We Agnostics, it talks about you, you, you can start wherever, whatever makes sense to you, but it's just a beginning. But listen, you got to go further. Once you do this stuff that's in this book, you had better – it talks about people that mess up. It's because they failed to expand on their spiritual condition. You're not going to expand on your spiritual condition drinking bad coffee, sitting around talking mm-hmm. about Joe, Jack, Pete, and Fred and not dealing with the issues. So do I get why people – are discouraged about the fellowship? Yeah. But let's bring the fellowship back to what the book says, and I think we'll be doing a whole lot better. But but listen, let's talk about, and then I'll close this, uh, this, this topic out. Let's talk about the difference between an alcohol abuser and an alcoholic, for instance. All right? So uh, uh, Dave and Mike. Mm-hmm. Dave and Mike, twin brothers. Same mom, same dad. Identical twins. Mike, he has himself Long Island iced tea, and so does Dave. Mm. When Dave drinks Long Island iced tea, he gets kind of a calm, warm feeling, and he goes home. Huh? Not Mike. <laughs> He's closing out the bar. Mm-hmm. He's getting himself into trouble. He's behind the wheel of the car, all that stuff. Now, why is that? Is it because one is such a great Christian and the other one isn't? No, there's something genetic about Mike that is not happening in Dave. Mm -hmm. There is a difference, and here it is. First, it's the phenomenon of craving. 
Once the alcohol is entered into the body, the person has little or no control over how much they drink or how often. They don't have the ability to say, I'm not having another one. They're driven. Secondly, it's what happens when they're stone cold sober. When Mike is stone cold sober, no alcohol, he obsesses over it. Mm -hmm. I can drink like a gentleman next time. I only take $20 out of the ATM this time. I'll be okay. All that. Dave doesn't think like that. Mm-mm. Why is that? Is one more of a sinner than the other? No. We know is that, that the wiring of the brain of the alcoholic is different than the non-alcoholic. Now, Dave could actually abuse the alcohol and stay at the bar and close out the bar, too. But when he's sober, he's not going to be obsessing like Mike. Mm-hmm. It's a medical condition. We don't understand it completely. But we do know that there's something different in the brain of an alcoholic. Again, being alcoholic. I'm alcoholic, mm-hmm. but I don't drink. Well, why do you claim that? It's the same reason I claim I'm diabetes, to, to, so I know how to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, enough of that. That was heavy. Um, <laughs> you know, it goes a lot deeper, and there's a lot more to it than that. But but listen, if you're one of these people that wants to stick your bony finger in other people's nose and say, just shape up. If you loved God, you wouldn't do this, that, and the other thing. Let me tell you something. You had better check your side of the street. Mm-hmm. What is it that you do that you have a hard time stopping? And I want to say, <clears throat> on my parents' defense, they do try really hard to understand everything, mm-hmm. so... They've learned a lot through the show, too. So, so you, you know, here's the, here's the thing, too. Some people are never going to be convinced mm. that it's both, that it's both medical as well as moral. Mm. They're just not going to. And uh, that's okay. We're not here to try to talk anybody into it, uh, you know, believing the way we do. We're just sharing our own experience and what we've learned. Uh, and the deal is we're sober today. We're not drinking. We're yeah. not defiling ourselves. We're not defiling God. We're honoring God. And uh, so there's that there. All right, we're going to take a, a break. When we come back to the topic of forgiveness. Uh, chew on this stuff for a while, listeners. <laughs> we'll be right back. This is Steve Green, and you're listening to the best of recovery talk and positive music at Take12Radio.com. And now. Here's Pastor Johnny Baker for Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is for all of us because we've all been hurt. We've all hurt other people. We've all got things in our lives that keep us stuck and keep us frozen, things we wish we didn't deal with. And for many of us, we have these addiction issues that also just rob us of any joy or peace that we have in our life. The thing about Celebrate Recovery is that it's a biblical program and it's got eight principles that lead us from one place to the next place over one day at a time after one day at a time. So we begin where we realize that we're not God. We come out of denial. We face our fears. We face the problems that have keeping us stuck. We turn our lives over to Jesus. We do things like taking a moral inventory of our lives and we look at all the things that we've done have been done to us to help us come out of that. We talk to other people about what's happening. Then at the end, we serve other people because we believe that God uses our pain so that we can help other people when they go through pain. To locate Celebrate Recovery in your area, visit CelebrateRecovery.com. This is Tony Morosi from the recovery band Self-Esteem, and we're listening to the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show with the Monty Man on KHLT Broadcasting. Well, welcome back. Thank you, Tony. Uh, today's topic is a dual uh, dual topic, dual diagnosis. <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit about uh, alcoholism, a moral issue, or a uh, medical uh, issue. Uh, and then we're going to switch gears here a little bit. Uh, the topic of forgiveness as a character quality. Um, so um, the character quality, forgiveness, the opposite quality, rejection. Here's the definition, uh, according to the Character Qualities book, uh, printed out by Adults and Teen Challenge. Uh, Forgiveness, learning to demonstrate Christ's love toward an offender, understanding the motives and conflicts of an offender, remembering how much God has forgiven us, learning to see spiritual value in the hurts God allows through other people. Mm. And uh, the scripture verses that go with this is Ephesians 4.32. You must be kind to each other. Think of the other person. Forgive other people just as God forgave you because of Christ's death on the cross. 
And Colossians 3.13, be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Oh, I like that one. So learning to demonstrate, let's unpack this, learning to demonstrate Christ's love towards an offender. Mm. That can be pretty difficult, can't it? Especially when the offender is still punching you in the nose. <laughs> what, Marv? <laughs> Especially when you don't feel like it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Especially when you don't feel like it. Trying to find out nicely how to say that, too. <laughs> Good job, Marv. So, so isn't it interesting? It says, when you feel ready and feel like it, demonstrate Christ's love to the offender. <laughs> And then our program no. says we have to, and then we're just screwed. <laughs> you talk about these things not being based on feelings all the time, Marv. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, somehow or another uh, got to take what the word says, and and uh, whether we feel like it or not, uh -huh. follow right. it. Yeah, take the action. Um, so demonstrating Christ's love. That means you, you, you behave a different way towards uh -huh. the offender. You don't go after them. You don't try to figure out, you know, some snide remark to make to them every time they speak or how to flatten their tires or <laughs> what, whatever, right? Yeah. You're demonstrating Christ's love. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that can be challenging because we are human beings who do have sin issues. Oh, yeah. One of them, according to what we just read, selfishness and self-centeredness seems to be the root of our problems. Yeah. Um, and here's, here's the other part. I thought this was really cool. Understanding the motives and conflicts of the offender. Getting in their brain. Now, I'm not saying that you can figure out why somebody does what they do. Uh -huh. But trying to understand that perhaps they're having a bad day. Perhaps there's a reason they're doing not an excuse, but a reason that they're acting the way they're acting. Um, have you ever been highly offended or hurt by somebody that's never done anything wrong to you at all, and then one day they do something and it comes out of the blue, and you're like, "What the heck?" Oh yeah, and it really, really hurts. Mm -hmm. um, I look at that and I think, okay, you, you got to try to get in their head and realize, wait a minute, this isn't their mo. Mm -hmm. So something's up, yeah. right? So maybe we need to cut them some slack. Because it's not their M.O. This isn't somebody that's constantly doing things bad to me and all that stuff. Where is this coming from? It probably has little to do with me. I might just be walking by at the time. Mm -hmm. Right? A target. Yeah. So you got you to... <laughs> I'm dealing with that at work with one person. Yeah. And I know where it's stemming from because I know how miserable she is. Mm -hmm. And I know that it has to probably do with the alcoholic issues she is in denial about. Yeah. But, oh, my God, she just loves – I'm I'm her favorite little – like, she's like a woodpecker with me. <laughs> and oh. I have to, like, dismiss it each time. I'm like, it's not me. I know this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but – And I, I think I, – I don't think anywhere we're saying that, you know, well, just stop feeling the pain. Yeah. But it's how we deal with the pain. Mm-hmm. When somebody offends, right? Yeah. Um, remembering remembering how much God has forgiven us. <clears throat> My sponsor used to say, you've, you know, when somebody would offend me, he'd say, you've either done it, you're doing it, or you're still <laughs> eligible to act that way. You should remember how much God has forgiven you for things yeah. you haven't even done yet that you're still going to do. <laughs> that sounds like something my sponsor would say, too. I can hear that. Learning to see spiritual value in the hurts God allows through other people. So perhaps because of some of the hurts that we experience from other people, perhaps God is using that to stretch us. Oh. Maybe there's a lot more going on. And that's what I'm reading here in this definition is that it's, well, with all of it is – Perhaps there's a lot more going on than what we even know. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts, Marv? <laughs> well, I'm kind of surprised, really, uh, up till now, that it hasn't been said that uh, the idea behind forgiveness also is to uh, help yourself. Ah. And uh, I'm kind of surprised it hasn't. Maybe it hasn't come up yet. 
but um, uh, you know, it, over and over again, it talks about you mm-hmm. know um, the root of bitterness. Don't let anger. Pull that mic so closer to you there, bud. Um, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And, right. And uh, there's a reason for that because it's not good for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, to say, well, I can't, I can't forgive that. Yep. You know, um, it's it just harming yourself. And the other part of the story too is, is when I do that myself, I have to keep reminding myself that I've done that. Mm. Because that resentment or or hurt or whatever you want to call it will come back, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'll start, you know, going on and okay, you know, rah, rah, oh wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, I forgave that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We do we, we do return to it sometimes, yeah. um, but but you're right because the prisoner that forgiveness really frees is you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's you. Now, should, although it, I'm not taking away anything of what you've read no, but or said, the reason it, I hadn't it, brought it up yet is because I'm waiting for YouTube. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I almost feel a responsibility. I'm not able to always do it. Yeah, but a responsibility to extend God's grace to other people. And Paul talks about in Philippians, too, he says, consider others as better than yourself. That's kind of a tall order. Right. (laughs) But uh, isn't that what you're doing when you forgive? Yeah, true. Part of it? I don't don't know. I'm just... It doesn't doesn't say unless they're alcoholic, right? Right. Right. It doesn't say... (laughs) Oh! (laughs) That was good. Yeah. (laughs) Unless they're, unless even if they're deliberately doing something to harm themselves, it doesn't say unless they're harming themselves deliberately. It just says considered others, yeah. Um. So, but if we're going to forgive somebody, though, is our should should the main driving motivation be so we'll be released from a prison of bitterness, or should it be because God told us to? I think a little bit of both. Okay. What do you think, Marv? Well, the result of being obedient to God is freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a result of so of that. I think Tony's right. It's a little bit of both. Sure. You know, a lot of God and a little bit of mm-hmm. um, the other. So here's a question. <coughs> think of the person that is pushing your buttons right at the moment mm-hmm. or has maybe in the past. Have you looked for ways of benefiting those who have hurt you? Have you looked for ways to bless them? Well, there's one in particular I haven't even touched on. But no, not at the very moment. Right. And it's been years, so. Yeah. That's when I really need to work on. But everybody else, yeah. Do you hold any resentment for past offenses? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, from this so, spe- so, specific person. And so, and so, if you know, and this is just a question to everybody, including myself, mm-hmm. if I know that releasing that resentment will free me, mm-hmm. why do I hold on to it? Well, now I'm realizing I'll probably have to force step over it because I didn't even think of this one individual till right now. So, why do you think we hold on to it when we know it'll improve our psyche? It'll improve our physical health that'll improve all if we know that we'll benefit from it why don't we do it why do we hold on to it because i'm a stubborn alcoholic and sometimes i just like to hold on to those things it's not right it doesn't make it right but that's just Mm -hmm. my thinking but now talking about it years later now i'm like why am i still holding on to that so So. why why are why are you a stubborn alcoholic I don't know. I'm trying to dig here. I know. I can see this, and I have no idea how to answer it. Marv? Well, it's self-evident to me. Yeah? The problem is alcoholism, right? Right. Mm. Not so the, the alcohol. ism yeah. is I, self, and me. There you go. Back Ooh, to what it's... <laughs> I like that. Back to what it said in the book. Our problem is us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? You Our bet. thinking. Stinking thinking. 
So maybe the reason that I'm holding on to the resentment is because somewhere in some dark part of my soul, mm-hmm. I'm still punishing you. Mm. And you don't even know it. And right? You don't, you don't even know it. Yeah. You're not losing any sleep. No. You know? But but I sure am. I'm tossing and turning and scamming and scheming. and Not so much anymore. But, you know, yeah. But no, I know time, I need right? to let that go. I know. <laughs> <laughs> just when I get on topics like this, it just triggers. You know, I think there's a double whammy, too. Uh, mm-hmm. This thought just occurred to me. Um, another part of, of the Bible talks about honoring your mother and your father so that um, it'll this, go well with par- you. Yeah. Paraphrase. Mm-hmm. So things will or mm-hmm. go well with you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a lot of times in meetings, uh, people talk about, <clears throat> including myself, by the way, uh, not so much maybe anymore, but um, their parents. Well, my dad was this, and my mom was that, and blah, blah, blah. Well, how is that honoring them? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know people don't realize. Yeah. You know, it's it's a, you know, blame, 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 and they don't realize. But isn't that kind of fall into this category, too? If you're going to honor your mother and your father, um, shouldn't you forgive? Yeah, you would think so. Shouldn't that be part of it, no matter what? No matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Very good point. And and, and really, to say a step further, shouldn't we be honoring each other? Mm Mm-hmm. You know? It's interesting. If we were, let's take the person that that, um, is most offensive. Let's say maybe maybe nobody is right now, but at one time there was... If we were to look at them through the eyes of Jesus, Mm -hmm. the way our Heavenly Father looks at them, we may just be surprised what a glorious thing we would see. And our tendency may be to fall down and worship. Mm -hmm. But we have a tendency to look at people through our own resentments, Mm -hmm. our history with them, uh, our experiences and things like that. You yeah. know, uh, was it Chuck C that wrote the book, a new pair of glasses? Um, yeah, part of, part of, uh, some of the literature that you'll find on some shelves in 12 step meetings, mm-hmm. um, about just seeing things differently, just l- looking at things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And if we look at the people that offend us, people that we hold resentments towards through the eyes of our creator, mm-hmm. <clears throat> We may see something here, but you know, it, it may be the reason we don't do it is because we know if we do, we will let go of it, and then we don't have this thing to chew on, and we like chewing on that bone, man. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's a security blanket for I us. I have no idea. But whatever it is, it isn't doing us any, it's not our friend. Uh, there's a book out called The Bait of Satan. And the bait, and of course, if you're a fisherman, you know, that's what you mm-hmm. put on your hook to catch the fish. The bait is offense. The bait of Satan is offense. When people offend, that's his bait. Mm-hmm. See what they did. <laughs> Look how they live. Yeah. Look at that guy. He's an alcoholic. He's offensive to God. Like that guy said in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, well, let me tell you something. You're offensive to God for even talking like that. Mm-hmm. You know, in that tone of voice. But... God, the Lord is 100% about truth and 100% about grace. And we have a problem with the mess in the middle, but he doesn't. Mm -hmm. He doesn't. So how willing are we to forgive an offense? Is it, I mean, it really comes down to the question, how willing are we to do it? Because if we're not willing to, and that that is demonstrated by the fact that we hold on to it. Yeah. If we're not willing to, what's that say about our character? And, well, I, and I'm not, there's I, always going to be a, our part in it. Yeah. Just like when I write out the four step, I write you know the offender, what happened, what it affected, and then my part. Mm-hmm. And then I go back and see, oh okay, well, 
Yeah. You know, and pray about it and everything like that. But so you ever heard somebody say, "Well, I'll forgive, but I can't forget." Ever heard that? I've said that. Well, that's not part of the deal. You're not. It doesn't necessarily mean you're supposed to forget. Mm. But when people say that, I suspect not all the time. Sometimes it's just a matter of fact. Just mentally, because our brain records everything and never forgets it. If Mm. we're talking about it just the way the brain works, yeah, I get that. But if we're using it, so I mean, well, I'll I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget it. Yeah. Just that, just the way I'm saying that's not forgiveness. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm going to hold on to that sucker, man. And if you misbehave, I'm bringing that file oh out. Oh, my God. I hate it when people do that. I'm bringing that fi- file out. And I'm telling you, this is just like 14 years ago, son, yes. when you did such and such. Like, wow. And I get through that with family all the time. Right. They don't say all the good, but they, I slip once and then they're like, So using not, not being able to forget it as a hammer mm-hmm. to beat you up, then you haven't forgiven. Yeah. You know, but but no, I mean, I I remember things that have happened to me. I've got some good friends that really hurt me, mm-hmm. and I absolutely have no animosity towards them any longer at all. But I remember mm-hmm. the incident. Yeah. But I'm not carrying it around, ready to pull the file out. <laughs> <laughs> that dang file. Yeah, I think part of the responsibility for forgiveness—well, not part of it, all of it—really uh, lies in uh, your insistence that you have forgiven. Mm. It's kind of like okay, you've you said I forgive. Now you're responsible for that mm. kind of thing. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have the idea when you say, "Well, I forgive them," that it just all goes away. Yeah, you know, and that's just not true. We're there's a certain amount of responsibility that comes with that. You bet. You bet. And, you know, there's a, there's a scripture verse uh, that people misquote all the time. They say, well, God forgets your sins. He casts them as far as the, 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 into the sea of forgetfulness, as far as the east is from the west. Well, what it actually says is God remembers them against you no more. Ah. You don't forget. Yeah. He just doesn't hold them against you anymore. Mm. That's good news. <laughs> That's really, really good news. I like it better that way. So our closing song this week is old. Well, I shouldn't say that old. 1971. <laughs> I wasn't born. Be nice. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I forgive you. Um, this is from an old gospel group called Ocean. Did you ever hear of Ocean, Marv? No. I think you'll recognize this song. Check it out.
So listen, a very special thank you to our sponsors and all of our friends and, of course, you, our listeners. And listen, uh, just because you disagree with us and we may have a difference of opinion with you uh, on different issues here at Take 12 Recovery Radio doesn't mean that uh, we hate you, dislike you, or think you're going to burn or some crazy thing. Uh, you may think that about us. But listen, our our hope for you is that you understand the grace and serenity that comes from knowing the Prince of Peace. And he is the one that can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. He is the one that is going to draw you to to himself. And uh, he is the one that is absolutely, when all is said and done, is the solution to any issue, health, disease, illness, moral dilemma, it doesn't matter. Let's stop arguing about how we got here and let's start talking about how we can be delivered from where we are. And that is through the power of the God who is God. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with the gang. We're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. She's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty, meow. Yeah, kitty, 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 meow. <coughs>